With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, Don Granado, and Kevin Adams took to the podium today for their season-ending press conferences. And boy, oh boy, was there a lot to talk about. So let's just get right into it with probably what was the most hotly discussed item online, goaltending. Both Adams and Granado expressed confidence in Levi and UPL as potentially being the tandem going into next year. And I think, Taylor, you and I could both agree with the fact that that's not surprising for a number of reasons. One, neither of those guys have shown that they are the type to throw a player under the bus or be overly critical of a player. But also, I don't think that either of them would necessarily show their hand. And I think that both of them saying that they have confidence in Levi and UPL, respectively, by no means, no way, shape or form, excludes the Sabres from being in on a goalie this offseason. So what were your thoughts on their comments about the goalies? Yeah, that's basically what I, I was thinking is it doesn't behoove them at all to be like, uh, no, screw UPL. He's done here. That Because there are a few situations here. Uh, one of them is the obvious one that they just signed another goalie to to play alongside Levi, which we think they might do. And then at that at that point, it's like, what do you do with UPL? You could try to chance putting him on waivers. Honestly, might do that if I were them. But like I said, that's all about timing. You'd have to wait till October to do that. Give the appearance that he might make the team. And then, you know, when he inevitably is not better than Levi and this other goalie in training camp uh, in the preseason, then you put him on waivers then. And then it's like at that, it may be him and Comer at the same time, theoretically. And at that point, it's like, it's it's just it's a timing thing. How many teams are looking to pick up goalies at that point of the year? Now there's another school of thought that maybe instead of doing that, instead of taking that chance, you trade UPL um, and you get something for him because he's still a young guy. And if the market's there, that's not a bad idea. Yes. Well, in that case, you still have to be like, yeah, we might want him as a starter. You can't just be like, again, you can't just be like, this guy sucks. Like you have to uh, be able to point to positive things like his December and January months and how he was pretty solid during those and, and how he's been a pretty good prospect and other good things from his past that I don't really necessarily believe anymore, <laughs> but someone would have to, and this isn't a great time for goaltending across the league. So someone might be willing to part with like, I don't know, a third or fourth rounder to, or maybe even some kind of uh, lower level uh, defenseman, Say if the Sabres are getting rid of both Yoki Haru and Bryson, keeping their options open. Anyway, I don't really buy at all that either Adams or Granado wants there to be a Levi UPL tandem. I'm and I'm not going to freak out about that possibility until their actions match that uh, that potential sentiment. But in the medium term, I also never expect a coach to say anything like "I want this guy off the team" unless the person does something egregious. But right. the GM thinks is different. But also, not going to come out and say it. That just well, wouldn't be it. Wouldn't be smart. And that's been their MO from the start. And I think especially when you consider the fact that 
the youngest team in the league is inexplicably somehow about to get even younger because the guy that was bringing the uh, average age up by uh, by a couple of years is now off the team. You have Kyle Opozo who might not be back next year. So having that positive sense of morale, I think, is huge. And I think that the players obviously are going to feed off of whatever energy the front office and the coaching staff are putting out there. So it totally makes sense. Moving on to some other comments, though. Let's talk first about a couple of guys who you and I both are pretty up in the air on, whether bringing back or not, whether the Sabres should bring them back or not. And I shouldn't even say up in the air. I don't think either of us are really particularly feeling strongly about bringing them back. But that's Semi Skurgensons and Kyle Opozo. Adams had said in his presser that he is absolutely open to having them both back. He said that if Opozo wants to come back for another year, he absolutely can. As we talked about last episode, Kyle Opozo, of course, said at his end of year press conference that he would not play anywhere else except for the Sabres next year. So when it comes to Opozo and Gergensen's, I think you're looking at two very different situations, obviously two key members of the leadership group. But Gergensen's, of course, has a little bit more juice in the tank. I think that he still can give you something on the defensive side of things and still can contribute there. He gives a skill set that not a ton of guys on the, on the team have right now. But I say that with the caveat that there are also other guys throughout the league who have that skill set. And depending on if Gergens is looking to get something more than a one or two year deal, then I think the Sabres and him both walk away from the table and are completely okay with that. I think, I would have to think Gergensen's is probably looking for more of a a commitment than a year or two. And who knows, maybe he feels as though, you know, he hasn't made the playoffs once in his career. This is the closest he's come to even sniffing it. And maybe he just wants a, a change of pace or a change of scenery as well. However, with Opozo, he seems like there's not really a whole lot left in the tank there. We saw there was bursts and moments as the year went on where we were like, wow, Opozo looks really good here. But there was a lot of moments where he just did not seem like he could keep up. However, the caveat to that is his importance to the locker room as him being the captain of this team holds a lot of weight with such a young roster. So for me, I personally would not be sad to see like neither of them in a Sabres sweater next year. I think if I was a betting man, it really is going to come down to – Opozo retiring in terms of like the likelihood of of one of them coming back uh, of either of them coming back for that matter because I think that if Opozo decides he wants to come back then the Sabres are of course going to prioritize him but if he walks maybe then the Sabres have a little bit more urgency in bringing back Zemgis Gergensen's however again I really would not be sad to see either of them walk and in Opozo's case my ideal scenario is that he retires and he joins either the front office or maybe the the coaching staff as an assistant coach Gergensen's you know, he's, again, I think he could still be a useful player for this team, but as we've talked about, you have guys in Rochester that can maybe fill that fourth line role for you. And maybe it's time for both parties to just move on. However, if they do bring him back on a one or two year deal, I don't necessarily think it's the end of the world. So Taylor, what are your, th- what's your stance on Opozo and Gergensen's and their standing on the team next year? Yeah, it's a weird thing because I agree that I think it's really better if they only bring one of them back. I think it's worth considering, though, because I think there's a lot of people out there that are just like, get rid of both of them, no questions asked. And I think you have to really think about this season and what this, the 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 flaws and su- successes of this team. They could score, basically, 
and and it's some is to some extent all four lines could score because you have the incredible first line you have cousins as a 30 goal scorer it was primi- primarily in the second line middle stat played between the lines he had 50 something points but then like oposo was pretty productive despite the fact that he did look slow at times he had like i think 37 points if i if i'm not mistaken this year i believe right around there yeah i'll double check but keep going yeah so he he still is pretty productive but it's also worth noting that this team gave up 300 goals this year and yes, part of that was goaltending. They didn't have real goaltending until the end of the year. Uh, they threw out guys like, well, S- Samuelson missed 20 something games as their best defensive defenseman. They missed uh, a little bit of time with Dowling, but really they had way too much time with like Kyle Clegg on the ice or uh, Fitzgerald or frankly, Bryson and uh, Yoki Haru. Like, so there, there was a, quite a bit of defensive lapses, but the other big thing is, their top two centers are not good in their own zone. And that's that's tough to deal with. You don't get rid of either of them, obviously. They're both awesome and they're both under great contracts. But you have to have some guys who are capable of uh, being good defensive forwards, good responsible defensive forwards. And you have someone like Tuck who can kind of make up for Tage a little bit in the first line. And hopefully Cousins, because the skill set seems to indicate he could be a good uh, defensive center. Or yeah. at least to hold his own in his own zone. Also, but Opozo like, had 28 points, actually. 28 so points. you were a little bit and, high. 11, oh, yeah, 17, okay. 28. Okay. All right. 28 points. Um, and, and basically Gergensen's and Oposo were the guys that were really good in, in both zones. I think Quinn is close to being a 200 foot player, which is not something I would have thought of. And Krebs uh, did better. And then, you know, Jost was okay at that too, but it's not a good uh, defensive roster. So you could get worse by just being like, let's get rid of Oposo and Gergensen's. Now I, I do see with Coolidge coming up and you don't want to stifle Coolidge or Savoy or potentially another forward that you could bring in, particularly if you're bringing back Jose. But are either um, of that, but are either of their spots, the ones that we would want to see Savoy and Coolidge playing on in the first place? I, I mean, I, for not me, really, that's, I don't yeah. want them playing on the fourth line at all. Yeah, no, I, that, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. So not really. I think you, you kind of push those guys towards a, th- a second, slash third line, depending on what the makeup of the lines are. But yeah, the other thing is like, okay, yeah, I'd keep Oposo because he's the captain, you know, for probably not, uh, that's that's a good reason because it's leadership, but for more sentimental reasons, like uh, that he stuck it out here and never really complained that he, instead of like pouting, became a better leader, that he overcame a horrific injury his first year here that not was, was not just a hockey injury, it was an entire life injury uh, and got better and and refined his game, all these things, besides the fact that he was still pretty good. On the other hand, I look at it and I say Gergensen is an excellent defensive forward, not as productive as Oposo, definitely, uh, but he's super solid in his own zone, plays hard, also never really complains, like, seems like a decent locker room guy, and he's, like, what, six years younger, five yeah. years younger than Oposo? That just makes more sense to me. So that I am kind of torn on which which one of the two. I would say I'd prefer to keep one of the two, just because I just I don't think it's actually that easy to find or replacement at a similar dollar value in free agency. If I well, had to you guess. have to, you have to think too, in Opozo's case, I mean, that number is going to come way, way down from the six oh. million that he was making this yeah, year. That's that's uh, I, yeah. I think that 100%. you, you can make a very fair and reasonable argument for either one of them to come back. And you can also make a very fair argument for being okay with the, them leaving as well. I am with you though, that I do think one would be good because I think the other side of it is, Anderson's going to be gone. And who's going to be the oldest guy on the team next year now? Skinner, I think. Well, if there's no Oposo. If there's no Oposo, Skinner at like 30 years old is going to be the oldest guy on the team. I just think that 
there is a real value in having a guy like Opozo or even Gergensen's for that matter there in the locker room just to be able to weather the storm of the long 82 game NHL season. You know, I think this year we talked about it the past few weeks, how valuable it is that these guys were able to play in these games. And now they know the true importance that you you can't take a night off in a game in February because it quite literally can cause you to miss the playoffs. And so having that kind of a veteran presence in the room, more so just to be able to help them again, weather the storm, see this thing through and finally get over the finish line. Because again, they were so close this year. And things are just going to hopefully keep getting better. Hopefully there'll be some roster improvements this year as well. Maybe an upgrade in goal potentially. Maybe, I mean, I I think it's an absolute necessity to upgrade the blue line. But nothing is given here. Like these guys have not made the 23-24 playoffs yet. And whatever you can do to help these young guys on this journey, I think that you need to keep in mind. And so if one of those things that's going to help is having more of that steady veteran presence along the way. And I know Tuck has obviously been on a couple of uh, playoff runs with Vegas, but like having a guy in that kind of calming presence in the room is it could prove to be invaluable for them. So I, I think, again, I guess either way, there, there's pros and cons for bringing either of them back, but I can absolutely be talked into bringing one of them back. Speaking of signing new contracts, Kevin Adams also was asked about potential extensions for Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power, both eligible for extensions come July 1st. So this is really interesting because I think with Dahlin, he did everything he needed to do to cash in on a big contract this year. And I don't think that, at least from his agent's perspective, that you're going to need to have the mindset of like, well, let's wait it out until next year to see how you can increase your value because he's already asserted himself as a top five defenseman in the NHL this year. So I think the priority for Adams has to be obviously getting that done. But in the case of power, it's pretty interesting. I think it might have been our boy uh, Kev Knight Rider who had brought this up. And I'd been thinking about this too, that from Kevin Adams' perspective and a fan perspective, hell yeah, get Owen Power locked up on July 1st for all I care. Get it done before next season, 100%. The complication, though, of course, is his agent is probably telling him, hey, this was just your rookie year. Like, let's keep growing here. And your AAV right now for what you might sign for, that might go up a little bit going into ne- or, uh, going out of next, next season and heading into next offseason when he officially is an RFA and is officially up. So th- there's some complication there, but I think that we could say it now, and obviously this is going to depend on the number that he ends up signing at, but if Kevin Adams is able to lock in Owen Power to a contract extension this offseason, that is a major, major, majorly significant victory for that front office. So what are your thoughts on the extensions for both Power and Darlene, and specifically also, as I'm mentioning, there's that little piece with Power, but in Darlene's case too, him potentially becoming one of the highest paid defensemen in the NHL. So I think with the Power one is interesting uh, because you mentioned there, it, it logically follows that an agent should be like, hey man, like you were the first overall pick, you're getting better. Like that was, you You played what, 10 games the year before? Not even, you, you this is your by all for all it's it's technically rookie season but like it's also like legitimately rookie season you have not been around pro hockey at all uh before this barely so totally logical that he'd be like at least give it a little bit of time going into next year prove your value and then sign it during next season or next off season when you're not rfa 
But for whatever reason in hockey, players just don't act that logical in these situations. Even now that we've mentioned this stretch from like last year, from, well, I would say the, from the beginning of last off season until probably next off season, not a great time to sign a contract, like a, a big extension because the cap is going up. So you either mm-hmm. have to like factor that in, which doesn't seem to be happening for guys like Barzell or even like, even like Jason Robertson, to be honest, or guys like that. Uh, Barzell, especially though, cause he, this is like his big contract. I don't, I don't know. That was super weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horvat too, to be honest, both the Islanders guys, but lucky Lou, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> so this is a bad time to do that, but players still do it. Mm-hmm. Cousins is a good example. Tage, now Tage is a little, a bit of a different example, I guess. Guys are really not betting on themselves. They really value security. And I think that's not the dumbest thing in the world when you look around the league. Maybe not exactly for guys like Power, but maybe guys that are in their later 20s. These injuries do happen. And so uh, hockey still has a really high rate of guys not finishing their uh, contracts out for injury-related reasons. It still happens quite a bit. So it's – I get what happens, but also – a guy in your early twenties, I would bet on myself a little bit, but I don't, I, maybe he doesn't though. Maybe it's not going to be like that. And, and it'll be like Eichel maybe where they just have the guy signed for uh, eight more years already. And well, then from, from Dowling, I would say it's very simple. Nine or 10 million, get it done. Yeah. Take the money. Yeah. But no, I, I think it's interesting with power too, because yeah, like when it comes to betting on yourself, I mean, sure. We're probably talking about adding a, you know, a mill or two onto that AV if he ends up waiting, but, Hey, what is he 19 years old, 20 years old right now? Yeah. Are I mean, if Kevin Adams is like, hey, here's a eight by seven contract, eight years, seven million per year. Are you really in a position to say no to that after playing one NHL season? And maybe he yeah. is. It, it's true. Maybe he could be, but I think that's a fair question to ask that if you're going into a and of course, this is where the negotiation with the agent comes into play, but could Owen Power look at that and say, you know what? Tage just signed for $7 million. Cousins just signed for $7 million. Long term, these guys want to be here. Darlene is going to end up signing. Like, we were just on the doorstep of my first playoff appearance, like in my or of, of, this, of making the playoffs in my first NHL season. You know what? I want to lock in and be a part of this. And listen, if he get like I said, if he gets them both signed, like right now, this year, I mean, I think I will eat some crow on some of the the talking points of Kevin Adams that we were making fun of about building a place where players want to be here and, and building that kind of an environment in the locker room and everything like that. Never, I, I don't think either of us ever discounted the importance of having a strong and solid locker room, especially coming out of the Eichel era. But we were very, very clearly ragging on Kevin Adams after the team finished in last place being like, we want guys who want to be here in Buffalo. It, it was Not a me. Joke. I never did any. Rag. Right. Oh yeah. I, I never, I never uh, ragged on Kevin Adams and I always believed in him. Of course, from day one. you're right. And there's this no is... audio proof to the contrary. Yeah. You definitely can't go back two seasons and listen to pretty much every episode of Taylor and I screaming about this stuff. Definitely not. But like I said, though, I mean, you just got these two guys and and Tage and Cousins to sign these team-friendly deals. If you can get power to do the same and maybe you end who knows? Like maybe it's something crazy. Like if they sign Darlene for less than nine, I will be all in 
on the Vi. I mean, I'm already all in on the Vi's, but I will I will eat crow on every negative thing I ever said about Kevin Adams and building the the rot or building the the locker room and guys who want to be here because if he's able to do that, if he gets Dalene under nine and he gets power at like seven, it'll have worked. He will be a, he'll be right a hundred percent for sure. All right. Do we want to hear a word from our sponsors before we move on to some other comments from the presser? We do. All right. It's NBA playoff time. That means big hoop action. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get on the excitement of every game with a touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So, this is the part where uh, I discuss... uh, same game parlay for upcoming NBA games and, and why I think it'll hit. But here's the thing. My team's not in the playoffs and I watched my adopted team, the Knicks last night with some Knicks fans and got to be honest, it didn't go very well for them, but uh, Brendan's team did win Brendan's beloved Boston team, uh, the Boston Celtics, just like his beloved Boston Bruins won the day before. I literally hate you so much. (laughs) So, Brendan, do you have any more advice for the people on what they can expect for the rest of this Boston series? I'll be honest. I totally didn't even check if, uh, what did I say that Marcus smart was going to, or, uh, was going to have above three assists, right? I thought you said steals or steals. I mean, Jesus steals. Yeah. I forgot. We got to go back and look and see, but that game one or two, that was for game two. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Let's see then. Um, let's see here. Well, while you're looking, all right, I'll try and think of another basketball one. Let's go with uh, I'm going to bet that in the next game of the Kings and Warriors series that Draymond Green is going to play zero minutes. Yeah. The next game, you said? Yes. Oh, wow. That's that's a big one. I got to parlay it, though, with something It's bold. No. All right. Let's do. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go. Brown and Tatum are both going to go 28-plus points. I don't even All know right. if, I, if that's a, a suitable thing I can do, but we'll do that. Yeah, you could just – you could. well, I think you, what you could do is you, you do three-way because you're going to do the money line, obviously, I'm assuming. Yep, of course. And then – They're sweeping Atlanta. They're, Atlanta's not going to win. Big bozo energy there in Atlanta. Big bozo energy. And then you do – I guess I guess you would tease it to 27-and-a-half for each of them. So yeah, you should be able to do that, folks. See, uh, there you go. And Marcus Smart had three steals exactly. So I don't. Did you say more than three steals? Uh, no, I definitely said three steals exactly. Oh and great! I don't All think right. that anybody should go back and listen to the last episode to confirm or deny that. All right, good stuff. Great. Uh, so, so yeah, folks. So if you want to make that bet, uh, and if you uh, if it doesn't hit, you know who to hit up. Uh, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers make a $5 pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 
Uh, 21 and over in most eligible states, but that will vary by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All right, and our, our next sponsor is Thin Man Brewery. And folks, big stuff coming up at Thin Man. Monday is our third Buffalo Sports Trivia Night there, and it's going to start at 8 p.m., uh, we re- I'm going to say this right up front. Really, really recommend making reservations. Yeah, like, there's limited space. Uh, like we have the the whole upstairs, but second floor that is. Uh, but last time it honestly the the main room was all reserved, and the second room, uh, filled up within like I don't know. I mean, with 15 minutes to spare, probably I don't know. I don't think yeah. anyone got turned away or anything. But if we get even one more person in there or one more team, then it's going to get really crowded. So I would say if you, you're determined to go. Which uh, you should be. We want it to yes. be crowded. Everybody show the hell up. Yes. Yes. We and... want it to be crowded. We want it. <laughs> we want, you know, we want the man to make some money on all this. But before we get to the, the even more fun part, I just got to say, call Thin Man Elmwood, make a reservation, but specify it's for Buffalo Sports Trivia on Monday, the 24th, not the other trivia that takes place on Tuesdays. Although that's fun, too, if you want to do that. But you got to specify because there's Come two trivias. instead. Yeah, come to ours first, and then you could try Tuesdays. Uh, and uh, Brendan, what else is going to be happening on Monday? Our goddamn beer launch, baby. Everybody, if you follow us on social media, you follow Thin Man on social media, you would have seen the news. Earlier this week, we announced and launched Straight Up Sabres Thin Man Brew Collaboration American Lemieux. We debuted the look of the can, and oh my God, got to give a huge shout out to Peter Callstat of Thin Man for designing that can. We had a meeting with Thin Man a couple weeks back with regard to what the design of the can was going to look like. And Pete just took everything that me, Taylor, Yvonne, and Cam had said and just ran with it. And it looks awesome. And so if you want to try it out, try American Lemieux out. Very uh, cool little tidbit fun fact with it. It is 7.2 ABV. That's right. And so tying back in with our boy Tage, American Lemieux himself. But we really, really recommend coming out, celebrate with us, because that's the thing. Along with it being trivia, even if you want to just come hang out, like come hang, try the beer. Honestly, it's really fun. Even being like a spectator for the trivia is really, I mean, you should obviously participate. But even if you didn't want to, it's a really great time just hanging out. Spots at the bar, spots in the game room, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a ton of fun. Starts at 8 o'clock. So again, like Taylor said, make sure you call and make that reservation. And whoever drinks the most American Lemieux that night, we will now I don't want to say well that we'll say your name and give you a shout out on the podcast because you probably wouldn't want that, but we'll give you a real big high five. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great high five after you get in an Uber and someone else drives you home. Yes. Yeah. The best way to spend your Monday. Hey, you um, know what though? Also another plug for Thin Man, and I was meaning to text you about this, but Good friend of ours, personal friend and friend of the podcast, Andy Meyer. His band is playing at Thin Man Elmwood on Saturday night. The Plagiarist, one of uh, one of our favorite local cover bands. And so, if you're looking for a good time on Saturday night, I at least will be there. Taylor, I don't know if you're free, but I would love for you to join me there. What time's he going on? I think it's the usual there, like uh, eight or nine, maybe or no, maybe it's nine. I don't know. I'm gonna look and see right now. Hold on. I don't know if I can, but. If oh, I can, maybe. What are you? I mean, I can't be this? there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to um, a, an elite fancy dinner party, and that's Ooh. where I'll be. No, I won't be. I have somewhere <laughs> to be at like seven, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. Probably not, though, to be honest. All right, let's see. I'll be very far away. 
Um, but yeah, another thing uh, we should mention, like we, I guess we did our thank yous to, uh, to Pete for designing the can, but also our friends Cam and Yvonne for setting this up. It's going to be a cool thing. So I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, 10 p.m. on Saturday for the plagiarist. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, and that's a maybe then. Hell I yeah. We'll see. Uh, yeah. And then I just wanted to shout out another beer uh, that Thin Man is doing uh, just because it's another one they just announced. And it's it's big for tomorrow for those who celebrate Thursday. We love Thursday, don't we, folks? Uh, <laughs> um but their their new uh, four twenty, blazed and confused. It's a collab. Uh, with, tripping animals brewing. So that could be cool. I, I've never had them, but that I'm looking forward to trying this beer. It seems interesting. Um, they also uh, are going to do uh, they call it a stoner food menu. That's going to be very interesting. Um, Super freak, crunch supreme. That seems interesting. Pizza logs, chicken and waffles. Moriarty Jesus. mini dogs, Mary Jane's Mac balls, which are deep fried pulled wow. pork stuff, Mac and cheese balls, the kitchen sink brownie, which is an extra thick with two cues fudge brownie loaded with chocolate chips, pecans, pretzels, caramel. And I don't know this is stout ganache. Oh, that's wow. So this is a lot going on here. Uh, it looks like they got some t-shirts for sale too. So Thursday today, when you're listening to this, if you're interested, that's at both the Elmwood and Chandler locations. So a lot of interesting stuff going on for those who really love Thursdays. Yeah. Happy holidays to all those celebrating. That's for sure. Thin man is coming through. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Thin Man Brewery, two convenient locations on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street. So what else were these fellas talking about today, Brendan? I appreciated that Adams didn't shy away from the possibility of making an external edition. I think that was definitely something that I was hoping for him to say. I'm not going to sit here and like give him a huge pat on the back because it didn't, he didn't say it like that they were going to be like the most aggressive or anything like that. Not that they necessarily have to be, but an external edition, at least one needs to happen. And the one that needs to happen obviously is on the blue line, but wouldn't hate another one happening to the forward group. But for, again, from how he spoke today, I didn't really get the sense of that necessarily. Of course, we'll see, like we said, they're going to be mindful of the language that they're using and they're not going to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. But Adams did say that they were open to moving the needle, quote unquote, when it came to adding from another team, whether that's through free agency or through trade. So that's really great. And one of the quotes too uh, that I caught that, Joe Yurden, friend of the pod, has uh, he shared too, was that Adams had said, I, I want our players to be fearless, and that's how we're going to run the organization too. And when he had said that in the moment, I was just, you know, it was just thought of it as like another line. But then after Joe tweeted it, it had me thinking about it a little bit more. And I want to take that as a sign that they are going to be a little bit aggressive and that they are going to take a big swing. Because again, this team, they've done a great job at building it up until this point. Like they have something really special brewing and something really special on their hands, but they not only, as we've been saying, and I swear to God, I'm going to go blue in the face from saying it so much. They not only need to take a big swing, they have the pieces to do it without making any kind of a dent in what they've already built so far. So that is going to be the thing to look out for. In my opinion, I think goalie it's Far more likely, in my opinion, that they're going to make that addition via free agency than via trade. 
but defense we'll see what happens there it could go either way maybe they look to an aging team that maybe still has a good defenseman and they look to make a move there or alternatively they do what we have been pounding the table for for the past several months even since the start of the year honestly and they go the free agency route to go get damon severson i think severson would be the perfect fit there's other guys obviously that fall into the mix too but we need a little bit of aggressiveness here like they got this close and I think everybody in that organization knows now, regardless of how they want to talk about it, that playoffs are the expectation next year. Full stop. Development time. Like, obviously, these guys are going to be developing on the fly, but developing being the key goal of the upcoming season is not an option anymore. Like, you cannot have that be the focus. The focus needs to be on winning, and you need to do whatever it takes to get there. And what, what it's going to take is making that upgrade to the top four and making an upgrade in goal there too. I, I I just don't think that there's any way that they can run it back completely next year without at least one major move. And also, if we're, if we're being honest too, I think that that sends a, a really good message to the room too. You're not moving a guy during the season. I know that was something that people pointed out about how that could mess up the room. You're not moving somebody in season. And an off-season acquisition like that, uh, of that magnitude, I think, could be a huge confidence boost for this team and really get them even more fired up than I'm sure all of them are at this point. So what are your thoughts on that, Taylor, on Adams and the front office, I guess their approach when it comes to the level of aggressiveness that they need to show this off season. Well, if you look at teams that have won the Stanley cup, they've been very aggressive. It, people talk about a patient rebuild and in some ways there should be some patience. There should be a definite homegrown factor like the Sabres have had, but there also needs to be these bold swings that happen before you actually win. And like you could look at all the teams recently, uh, Boston. I mean, I know it's been 12 years since they won, but it's also probably unfortunately less than two months away before they win again. And they've made, they've made bold swings both times around. I mean, not always good bold swings, but other examples, the Kings, the Kings made multiple big swings when they finally won the cup in 2012. And when they already had a team that had won the cup and then gone back to the conference final, they traded mid season for Marion Gabrick after that. they, Additionally, uh, you can look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay didn't just make these big deadline acquisitions like Maroon and Coleman and uh, other guys like that, Tanner Janot. Uh, <laughs> they also, like, they made big trades for, like, McDonough. They yep. looked at Jonathan Druin and were like, don't like what we see, even though we drafted you fourth overall, traded him for Sergachev. Uh, and you even you can even call it bold that they moved on from Ben Bishop when they did, because yeah. to, to believe in Vasilevsky. And you've uh, – who else has won? Oh, Chicago. Chicago made a ton of moves before they won in 2010 to the point that they had to trade a bunch of guys to salvage your salary cap. Washington, I mean, too. I think bringing in TJ Oshie was a huge one for them, too. Oh, yeah. Them. Big I mean, trade. That, yeah. I yeah. didn't think about Washington. And then, of course, the Blues. They brought in O'Reilly, Bozak, other guys. Obviously, O'Reilly was yep. a big one. Colorado. So like it's on and on. There's there's all these teams that make these moves. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and Colorado's was. Well, I mean, they made a couple interesting ones because they do to do Shane trade, um, which it seemed it actually ended up being a really good deal for them. Yeah. But uh, well, I'm trying to think. Well, the Colorado bring it bring in as a big guy. Nishkin. Well, Nishkin. I mean, that was yeah. more of like a reclamation project. But we're talking about yeah, Tay, the Devin Tays move was the next one I was gonna say that. That was I mean, the importance for Cal McCarr and just their blue line as a whole cannot be understated. Yeah. Oh, that was a big one. Or overstated, excuse me. Yeah. 
Definitely. So yeah, a lot of these teams move. Oh, you know what they actually another big move is they they let Grubauer walk. Yeah. That was super interesting. And they they've brought in multiple guys since then, but yeah. That Clearly was a good, it worked out okay. A good dare that they made. Won the there. division two years in a row with two separate goalies. Isn't it three in a row with three separate goalies? Yeah, actually you're right. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty wild. Um like uh, 90s Minnesota Viking quarterbacks. Wow. But so, yeah, I think a bold move should absolutely be on the table. It doesn't need to be as bold as those moves we named. Like, I think Devontae's is actually a good one because it took him from like, oh, they have these two good young guys in Makar and Gerard to like, boom, both those guys hit and you have Taze. And now you're like probably have the best defensive core in the league. Yep. I think that's a, that's a good example. They haven't won the cup yet, but the Knights have always been very aggressive. I don't know about their most recent big, big swing, but you know. They've yeah. made a lot of good ones. So yeah, I, I think being aggressive is important. It's yeah. You have to have that base of guys that you brought in. Like you don't win the cup with a team of mercenaries, but you, you also do need to make like a move. That's pretty clear by who wins the teams that wins are the teams that win are ones that make big moves. And I think you have to be ready to contend also. I don't, yeah. I think you like, you're looking at the last few years of um, jumps the Sabres have made. And obviously the 56 game season doesn't represent a full season, but they, based on how that was going, if it was a full season, they would have had like what, 50 something points, mid 50s, maybe. Yeah. So they made like a 20 point jump essentially last season, and then they made another 16 point jump this year. That's all without decent goaltending. So you have to think about the fact that they could make another big jump. They could. These teams, it doesn't go like the NBA is a little bit more linear. Like it's linear, but slower. Like you get good, you lose in the first round. Oh, you're a little bit better, kind of, unless you make some gigantic trade. Uh, it's usually kind of linear. The NHL right. can be linear, but like in a second, like the Penguins were terrible. Okay, but definitely not playoff level good. A bad playoff team, not a bad playoff team, but a team that lost for five in the first round, lost the cup, won the cup. Like that, it can happen like that. The Blackhawks finished last. Not last, but they got the first overall pick. They were bottom three. Were kind of blah. Made the conference finals, won the Stanley Cup. That was four yep. seasons. Like these things can happen very quickly. And I know it was just two years ago the Sabres were last overall by a mile. Like this, I think we need to have the uh, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like the confidence and perspective going forward to say, like, these things can happen quickly. And why waste your time? Being like, oh, we're definitely going to lose in the second round this year. It's, a, it's also it's worth saying that if you really want to compete in the East in the near future, you're going to have to be really good. You're going to have to compete yeah. with. You're still going to have to compete with Tampa. They're not. They showed last night. They're clearly not dead yet. And you're also going to have to deal with Boston. You're going to have to deal with Carolina. They're not going away. New Jersey is going to be young and on a similar timeline to you. The Rangers are going to be there at the very least. So. Mm-hmm. Very true. Well, a couple of other quick hits before we sign off. Ryan Johnson. Kevin Adams said that the organization made it clear where they stand and that they want him here. So the ball is in his court. He also said, however, that we could be seeing a couple of Russians next year in the form of Victor Nuchev, their third round pick from this year and Nikita Novikov, which would be a really nice addition to the blue line pipeline, which would be great if we can get both of those guys over to Rochester. But 
This has been it for another episode of Straight Up Sabres, everybody. We'll be back with more coverage of the offseason as we keep going on here, especially with our next episode coming up on Monday. So make sure you stick around for that. And we also got to make sure you check out both the presenters of this podcast, the Hockey Podcast Network, and the Charging Buffalo on their respective websites, streaming platforms, and social media, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Make sure, again, you're following us, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us there. And whatever streaming platform you're using to listen to this episode, make sure you are giving us a little follow or subscribe. We'd very, very much appreciate it. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out both of the sponsors of this podcast, both DraftKings and using that promo code THPN at checkout, as well as Thin Man Brewery. Hopefully you'll be there to join us on Monday, April 24th for Buffalo Sports Trivia Part 3 and the launch of American Lemieux. So we're really excited to see everybody there. Again, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Hey,